0: This episode is brought to you by Cisco. Cisco has pledged to positively impact 1 billion people by 2025, embracing
1: the transformative power of technology to create a more inclusive world. Head to
2: cisco.com.au to learn more about this pledge. Hello and welcome to this week's CXO Challenge interview on the IT News podcast. On the show this week is Rob James, the Group Chief Digital and Information Officer for TPG Telecom. Rob is leading a substantial body of work to integrate the systems of TPG and Vodafone Hutchison Australia, the two companies that merged last year, to create TPG Telecom. In parallel, he's also leading a much broader digital transformation, setting TPG Telecom on a path to become a digital telco of the future. I sat down recently with Rob and had a wide-ranging conversation on technology, transformation and strategy. Please
0: enjoy the conversation. So I guess firstly, you're coming up to a year in as the Group Chief Digital and Information Officer with TPG Telecom. I just wondered if you could maybe just start with how the year has been for you.
1: Yeah, sure. Well, uh, it's been an interesting year. So I've been with the organization all up for almost two years. I first came on board with Vodafone Hutchison Australia back in September 2019. You know, I think what made last year super interesting is we're obviously dealing with this pandemic. So we went into lockdown. I was obviously fairly new into the role back then and had quite a few ambitions of what I wanted to take in that role. And then right in the midst of the pandemic, we merged organisations between TPG Telecom and Vodafone Hutch Australia and then obviously got into the role of Group Chief Digital and Information Officer, like you said, almost a year ago now. It's been an interesting journey. If I reflect back on what was expected of me when I first started in the role, it was to drive a digital transformation, transformational ways of working, looking at the technology stack and how we can modernize it. But we've been side railed with a lot of things over the last particularly, what, 18 months now, that we've stopped and started that strategy a number of times. And I think that it was only probably about nine months ago where we had to make a conscious decision to push forward with the strategy, regardless of what the environment was around us because we just couldn't wait for anything any longer. So that's been tough. It's been tough to implement change while being in lockdown. That's probably the biggest thing that's been challenging for me, trying to ask people to change their ways of working. But when they're physically not moving location at home, but they're shifting virtual teams, it's a cultural challenge within the
0: organization.
1: It's been challenging, but we've had some successes as well, which is good to see.
0: Mm, Okay. And I'm keen to get to those successes. I guess just to step back a little bit, I heard you say recently that digital transformation at TPG Telecom is really quite wide ranging. So it's not just the IT platforms. It's also looking at the telco of the future and the sort of digital stack that goes along with that. It's also looking at some of the new ways of working, which you've just touched on. I wondered if you could just give us a sense of how broad the remit is and also look at some of the sort of challenges and opportunities that are in front of you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. No, no, you're 100% right. So, uh, again, if I reflect back on when I started in this role, one of the things that was put in front of me, and it was a very broad question, but the question was, what does it look like to become a digital telco? And that's not a problem that's just solved in IT platforms and systems alone. That is a shift in how you operate as a business. So it's not about only how you present yourself to your customers through your digital channels, but how do you simplify processes and how do you simplify delivery through being much more digitally focused? So when you take that into account, then, well, I certainly thought about digital transformation in three layers. The first layer is the technology layer. So how do we move away from multiple monolithic systems that are based on paradigms of telco, that have been around for decades. So if you talk to anyone in the telco space, they talk about this OSS and BSS layers of technology, which is essentially the layers of tech that bring the network side of the telco business to the IT side and how it touches the customer. But how do you think about that differently? And then all the things that go with digital transformation, such as implementing API-driven microservices or leveraging public cloud and thinking less about worrying about the data centers, et cetera, leveraging big data or the much more cloud-based data solutions than traditional data warehouses. So there's a lot of work that has to go there. That's kind of the first layer. But the second layer is around how you actually operate as a business, so the ways of working. So moving away from, I guess, most telcos still operate in the context of large projects those projects start to become much more interweaved in how you deliver products as well. So customers expect your products to be much more digitally focused. So the second layer is changing those ways of working, moving away from uh, project-centric concepts to product-centric concepts. And on top of that, it includes things like rearranging yourself as an organization to align people to how you want to operate. So again, This is traditionally done at a technology uh, layer, but we've chosen to try and link that closer to the customer journey, which makes more sense to provide a better customer experience. And then the final layer is the cultural transformation. So how do you think about how people should behave? How should you embrace things like innovation? How do you make sure that you can break down the silos within the organization And that you're linked together, delivering an outcome per product or per the customer experience journey. So all those kind of things that need to be considered in the cultural aspect. And in fact, I probably think the cultural aspects is one of the most important to get right. Because if you don't get that right, it doesn't matter how much you change your ways of working or technology, you will ultimately fail in that layer.
0: Is it worth just dipping into each of those three layers just individually and just briefly at a high level and just talk about some of the different things that might be going on in those specific areas? So, for example, like the platforms area, like the how you're reimagining the digital stack in terms of OSS, BSS for the telco, and also the third bit around the um cultural transformation. Yeah, absolutely. We just touch on the technology
1: piece. I think one of the things that I started to drive, which was around... How do we think differently in this space is to rethink, I guess, what we call the OSS or the operational layer and BSS, the business support systems. How do we actually rethink that in a way that is going to start shifting our thinking towards being a much more digital organization? So the way we kind of approach that is instead of thinking about systems from those two concepts is also to bring it closer together with how our customers are using our technology. So we've basically categorized our systems into three layers, and they're loosely called platforms, but those platforms have different purposes in our technology stack. So the first platform is essentially the platform that touches the customer or is closest to the customer. So we call these our customer journey platform. So the obvious ones are certainly things like your e-commerce web channels or how you deliver a digital customer experience, but it's also things like call center technology. It's also things like your overall CRM, which is how you communicate to your customers or IBR systems, et cetera. So there's quite a lot in that space when you think around what are those systems that are connecting the customer to our business through technology. So that's kind of your, customer journey platforms or journeys as a service is how we're trying to break it out. Your next layer is around your business capability platform. So these are the systems that helping you operate your business. So billing platforms, payments, credit checks, inventory management, provisioning. So this is not so critical from a customer perspective, but is more critical from how you actually improve the digital operations within the business itself. And I'll talk a little bit more about why it's relevant around breaking out into these layers in a second. And then the third and final is core IT platforms. So these are kind of the underpinning platforms that support both the layers above it. So it could be things like your cloud platform, your data enablement platform, which are the obvious ones, but it could also be things like how you handle authentication or identity management of your customers. And then it can link into things like facial recognition platforms, which are used across your business or customer journey platforms. So the reason it's relevant to sort of break it out into those layers is that your customer journey platforms is essentially where you own the customer experience and you essentially want to be best in market for that. You wanna be able to provide the best customer experience. So it drives your sourcing strategy. You probably wanna bring a lot of that in house. You want to bring in some thought leadership into that or want to have your product squads and product managers aligned in a measurable way, delivering an improved customer experience. The business capability platforms, in many ways, they're going to be almost commoditized. You know, the ERP we use or an ERP that our competitor uses may not have a massive difference to how we deliver services to our customers. Same thing as we, we think about billing or payment systems. They're becoming less critical particularly in the telco space these days where a lot of the plans that we go to market with are fixed price with fixed consumption there's very little bill shock and your core it platforms they're the ones that you need to modernize making sure that you've got things like modern integration layers that you're not relying on technology that might be 10 or 20 years old to integrate systems because it's going to slow you down or making sure that you are leveraging things like public cloud so I mean, it's a long-winded way of describing how we've carved out the technology layers, but it then does help us to actually drive a very distinct strategy for modernizing each of those layers. And it also then links into the second thing I was talking about earlier, which is how you operate as a business. So your customer journey platforms, you start to, well, we've decided to build out this notion of tribes and squads and integrating them into the business themselves. And that's part of our business transformation is how do we actually get those technology platforms closer to the commercial and business stakeholders that are trying to grow the business. Whereas the business capability platforms, these are the things that we probably want to evolve over time, but we'll have a much more, particularly, I'll be honest with you, particularly during the fact that we're in a, pandemic period and talent is hard to come by. We'll probably rely on our partners a lot more there because we're not seeing the talent coming into the country, et cetera. And it's been such a talent drought with everyone looking to broaden their digital capabilities that we'll probably rely on our partners and vendors to help modernize that layer. And the core IT platform is going to be a little bit of a hybrid model. We will look towards basically leveraging best in market in some areas, but also building some core capabilities ourselves. So for example, we very intentionally have built out a public cloud team within the IT organization who are responsible of delivering that platform to the other tribes and squads that need them. And the same is true for the data platform. We have got a centralized capability around our group data platforms as well.
0: Okay. There was a huge amount to unpack there. Um, I just, maybe rather than go into too much detail on some of those individual areas, I wondered just from a top line perspective, are you able to just give us a sense of some of the parameters of the transformation itself? Now, you mentioned sort of earlier in the conversation that, that it is kind of COVID affected in terms of some of the timelines, but I just wondered if you could give us a sense of the overarching sort of corporate goals that you're trying to achieve and sort of how the timelines for delivery fit where you're at with some of those pieces, for example.
1: Yeah, it's probably good to understand what we're working with and where we're at as an organization when it comes to technology. Post-merger, and as you pointed out, which occurred about a year ago, Bringing the technology together of the two organizations means that, first of all, there is quite a lot of complexity, and some of that complexity arises from TPG side of the business, which has grown quite extensively through acquisitions over the last few years. So those acquisitions have meant that there's been acquisitions of technology, and some of that technology is yet to be integrated into the core platforms. And also the fact that you've got the broader TPG organization, the broader VHA organization, who are, although have some very distinct differences around the assets they provide around fixed network or mobile network, still have a lot of similarities. So what does that mean? Well, it means that the what I'm dealing with right now is I have essentially over 800 applications that are across almost six or seven distinct end-to-end telco stacks. So a telco stack meaning that, you know, we have multiple pieces of technology doing similar or the same thing. So you get this scenario where there's 15 billing systems and several CRMs and multiple data warehouses. So that's kind of the starting point. So when I think about if that's our starting point and our goal is to have a technology stack that supports our entire group, but that technology stack should be simplified and has to be an evolution from where we are today. I would like to see those seven telco stacks and over 800 applications probably go down to a consumer telco stack, a wholesale one, and potentially an enterprise and government one. So I'm really trying to rationalize from about seven to three and trying to maybe reduce the applications by good 60 or 70%. And the timeline that's going to take it really depends on what layer of the technology we're looking at i think this is for us going to be very much a four to five year journey it's going to take us a while we're focusing on the areas that are going to give us the greatest benefit in the short term in the last 12 months we've been really focusing on coming up with the master plan for this And we've also been focusing on setting ourselves up as an organization to deliver the success, which is around how we reorganize ourselves in the ways we operate. So implementing the operating model itself, rolling out the tribes and squads. We've focused particularly at the later end of last year and the early part of this year in digital and IT within my space is to reorganize ourselves to actually have the right people in the right roles, trying to build those autonomous teams that are going to be self-sufficient and multifunctional. And right now we're in the process of now integrating the digital and IT teams into the commercial side of the business as well. So rather than having the commercial leaders in our business coming up with the products and then asking IT to deliver them is that we become one team, that the commercial leaders and IT are fully integrated into a single team or squad or tribe to deliver on the outcomes that we have for our business. But behind the scenes of that, running in parallel, is the transformation that I've been talking about, which will take, like I said, a few years for us to see the end of it. I'm hoping that, though, within the first... I'd say 24 months that we will be focusing more on retiring some of the legacy, which helps us simplify the technology ecosystem and at the same time start to make some investments in the actual modern technology stack. So we've just recently made a decision to start moving some of those internal workloads onto the public cloud. So we we want to get a greater part of that done over the next 12 to 24 months
0: as well. Cool. And you actually uh, answered a lot of the questions I had there as to what manageable looks like within the new sort of shape of the organization. So that's good. Maybe just as a side question of that, presumably once you've slimmed down to those sort of three sort of main stacks, uh, which I think you mentioned, which were consumer, business and wholesale, um, presumably that will allow um, you to move a lot faster from an organization wide perspective.
1: Yeah, look, absolutely. I don't think I've ever been in an organization that says IT goes slower. You know, we always have to go faster and, and, uh, you know, the the challenge we have is when you have that kind of complexity, and I'll give you some simple examples, is that when you want to introduce a new product to market, you're often building it more than once because you don't have these systems that are compatible with each other. So whether it's a new mobile plan that relies on some unique technology, or we want to do something competitive in the market with MBN and we have multiple brands that we need to support that across and roll it out across, it takes time because it's complex because we have to touch so many systems, and often many brands are being supported by different systems. So, yeah, absolutely, one of the biggest advantages by simplifying is we can go faster rather than building it three, four, or five times. We just build it once. Part of that strategy is very much underpinned or anchored on how we build our integration layer so I think that's really one of the areas of key focus for me right now is to make sure that we have this middle layer integration layer that is modern and scalable and using some of the best practices that are coming out in integration in recent years around event-driven architectures and and making sure everything is fronted by an API so that whenever you build new capabilities, you expose them at this integration layer and then it's up to the brands on the you know, Coming back to those layers I mentioned earlier, the customer experience layer or the customer journey platforms, it's up to them to then just expose those products through whatever means they want. So it's much, much simpler to go much faster. I think the other thing that is... Kind of what I've described is not a very specific telco architecture, it's quite a generic architecture, but I think it serves us very well to link to how we can be much more digitally focused where the telco specific part of it comes into it is how we integrate into the network layer? How do we integrate into provisioning new customers, services, whether it's for fixed line services or whether it's for mobile services? How do we do that in a much more modern way as well? And that's something that we're working through right now to also try and pr- provide that the simplicity at that layer too.
0: Mm. So something I thought I'd finish on in terms of the conversation was um, at this uh, security event that I heard you speak at. Uh, you mentioned a few bits of advice around digital transformation efforts and there were some certain time constraints with that event, shall we say, and there was not much time to explain a lot of those sort of bits of advice, I thought. So I just wanted to flesh out maybe one or two of those, if that was possible. The first one was, I think you said that you it was very important to commit and it was very important to be bold. And I think you said something along the lines of you can't go into a transformation agenda by making small incremental changes. And that was interesting to me because uh, a lot of the times when you hear people talk about transformation agendas, particularly now, they're they're talking more about breaking things up into really small packages of work and really eschewing that sort of big bang approach um, to transformation and to to, um, project delivery. I just wondered if you could explain a little bit about what you were um, saying there around this sort of be bold commit and not going into this really around the small incremental changes kind of perspective.
1: Yeah, sure. Look, so I've been in a number, of, uh, involved in a number of transformations over the years, and I think the learnings I've taken away from it, and why I'm saying that you need to be bold and try and avoid small and incremental changes, and probably favour to do large ones, is probably two areas. The first area is going through the change is going to hurt. It hurts. It hurts the people in the organisation. It hurts the way you're able to deliver technology, able to deliver products for your customers. It slows you down because you're going through a change period, and by going slow, you're prolonging that change period. And regardless if you go slow or fast, it hurts. It doesn't even hurt less if you go slow. It means that you are just prolonging that pain of period of change that makes it complex. So in my experience is when you start implementing small changes, small incremental changes, what actually starts to happen is you're starting to run two models and they're incompatible with each other. So you're going to have the way you're implementing or you know, whatever your business operating model is, uh, let's call it your legacy one versus your target one. And you're making those small changes, but they don't plug into each other. So it could be things around how you allocate funding. It could be how you prioritize work. It could be how you get your work done, moving away from projects to much more agile product delivery. And all these things suddenly create friction against each other. And then, To deal with it, you do one of two things. You typically start to almost negotiate with yourself on your new operating model. And it's like a rubber band that starts to return back to its former position. And you start to make these compromises, which aren't the greatest compromises for what you need to do. Or the other thing that happens is you start to create these pseudo layers of we will abstract that problem away by having a new governance process that sits in between, for example. So you start to add more complexity. And then if you're doing this transformation over two or three years, you're dealing with all that complexity for quite a long time. And then the other thing around, when I say, I probably said in the other other session, I was talking about being bold and this notion of burning the boats, make that commitment to where you want to end up and burn the boats so you can never go back. And that's because I think by ripping the bandaid off and trying to implement that change quickly and, you know, quickly might be a 12 month period. It's something that you essentially need to just make that commitment is what inadvertently happens in that scenario is you make the changes very, very quickly. And then you start going through the teething issues phases much quickly as well. So you make all your changes. Yes, it's going to cause impact. It's going to hurt, but the pain you suffer is much shorter. And then you go through this period of, okay, let's now improve. Now that improvement period should never stop. But for the first probably 12 months after that significant change, That improvement period is you start to see large improvements in shorter periods of time so that you start to settle the process down. Now, all this is easier said than done because it causes a lot of challenges and particularly the old adage of we're kind of rebuilding a plane as it's in flight. It's probably much easier, some would assume, to change small parts of the plane while it's flying than change the whole plane while it's flying. But I think that in a scenario where you're trying to run a business, that you just have to get everyone committed to the plan, try and roll it out over a very quick period and then start to improve on that plan on a very quick period. And that needs support from the CEO and the whole executive down to be on the same page there and that everyone understands what we're going to go through. Like I said, the alternative is you're just going to drag that out for a longer period of time and start to plug in pseudo-processes and band-aid fixes to address the incompatibility between the two models
0: Mm. it's interesting you talk about those two models because um it's often something that's espoused in a lot of sort of um analyst circles For example, you hear things about bimodal it you hear things about um from consultancies around this sort of two-speed architecture approach to transformation sort of this idea of having the back-end completely separate from this sort of faster moving digital front end is that a model that you'd sort of considered or is it something that you think would work within either a tpg context or more broadly
1: as i mentioned earlier when i was talking about the different platform layers i think that you have to think about those platforms in different models and I, i don't think it's kind of yeah, there's been a lot of talk about this two-speed model, how you handle those big complex systems that take a long, long time to change versus the layers that want to be much more agile. I think it's there's also some hybrid models in there. There's hybrid models in there on how do you augment teams in a way where you still have the ownership and you're not really outsourcing technology. How do you start to break apart monolithic systems and expose services through lighter weight systems such as your APIs or integration layers. So I don't think it's as simple as binary is saying that your transformation must be an all-in agile operating model. It just means that whatever that target operating model and technology stack is that you need to try and achieve that in a much shorter period of time by being more optimistic and aggressive with the rollout. And in fact, within our own organization, we're looking at how do we bring a hybrid model into play rely on our partners, particularly when we think about what I call the business capability platforms? How do we rely with potentially even partners when we think about those core IT platforms,
0: such as cloud or the data platforms themselves? Mm. One final question I've been asking everyone, and um, I might slightly reword it. I've been asking everyone what excites them about 2021, um, and it could be anything that's within your Personal life within your business within um, the remit that you're working to. I I feel like though with the current lockdown in Australia, it might be better to ask what's exciting you about 2022 because a lot of people I think are now starting to look a year ahead now instead of in the current year. I don't know how you feel.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I know it's a good way to put it. Actually, look, I think something that's really interesting and it's probably not unique for for our business or our industry, but we're seeing this across the board is that one of the outcomes of the lockdowns and the pandemic is that everyone has come to the realization that they need to be more aggressive in how they deliver a digital experience. When we went into a lockdown last year, though we kept a lot of our stores open, we also did the responsible thing and closed a lot of our stores in areas that were deemed hotspots or high traffic areas. But then What became a challenge is that our customers were jumping onto digital channels or through phone channels to try and complete the interactions that they need to do with us. But we weren't very or mature enough from a digital perspective to be able to facilitate all those services. Now, I don't think that's unique for us. I think a lot of organizations have realized that they need to invest more in digital. They need to be more aggressive in digital. And I think that what I'm excited about is if we're all on the same playing field and we're all trying to do the same thing, which, by the way, brings its own challenges because we're all struggling for the same talent. But at the end of the day, I think it creates much more interesting opportunities for the years to come on how our business and other business will be able to integrate together, how we could uniquely bring our products and services together to create new and exciting products and services for our customers. I also think that internally, many of the things that we might be talking about around modernizing technology or what we're thinking around innovation in technology suddenly has stepped up a notch in importance with the commercial stakeholders or the executives in our organization because they're looking at how they can do things differently. And for me, that's super exciting. So I think this year and next year and beyond, we're going to see massive growth in what we or what our competitors or even in other industries we're gonna see come out of technology solutions for our customers. And I think that can be nothing but
2: exciting. That was Rob James from TPG Telecom and that's the podcast for this week. We'll be back with an exciting new interview next week. Until then, you can catch all the latest headlines in Australian IT over at itnews.com.au.